Hello, friends, and welcome once again to everybody's favorite therapy-themed podcast. This is This Changes Everything. I'm Sarah Rice, and I'm here, as per usual, with the best-looking man in flannel. I would say nobody wears a, a, a band shirt better, but I'm wearing one right now. So I, I have a it's stiff competition. It's yeah. Therapy Jeff. How are you, Therapy Jeff? I My body was made... For flannels. It really was. Like, it just falls on me perfectly. I should be a flannel model. You know when they say, like, maybe you don't know this, but there's, like, this thing, like, with makeup, like, are you a spring? Are you a summer? Are you, like, colors? Uh-huh. You're a flannel. I'm a flannel. Which and some that's may why... confuse with the fall, but no, it's all flannel. <laughs> it's all flannel all year long, and yes. I can get away with it living in the Pacific Northwest. It's, it's an outfit that we all wear, so... Yeah, it works for me, but you look fucking punk rock today. What's going on? Yeah. Misfit shirt, yes, and the red lips. You know, I just felt like like throwing a little red lip on. (laughs) Sometimes you just gotta match your background, which if you guys can't see this, I have red walls, so weren't you supposed to paint those walls a different color? Yeah, I was going to, and then I'm like, no, I don't Mm. really need to. Who cares? Like (laughs) this is like what I do. I add extra projects where i don't need to be adding projects mm-hmm, just make mm-hmm. busy work for myself because mm-hmm. i'm so used to being spread thin and having a million projects and things on the to-do list that when the to-do list like gets a little bare i'm like mm, i know i should paint this room it's <laughs> insane what is that about i don't know what that's about because the red looks great there's absolutely no reason you should be painting no the room. reason at all no mm-hmm yeah. yeah. And is anyways. that a, is that, what's behind? Is that the moons, the moon, like the different moon oh, shapes yeah, behind this, you? Yes. Yes. In my artwork. Oh, if you, if it were, this is going to be a very fun tour for all of you listening, <laughs> but you know, if we're watching the video version, this is fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The art behind me is uh, the, the phases of the moon and right. this one that looks kind of like a barcode. This yes. is a really cool piece of art that the uh, listeners from my other pro- uh, podcast got me for my birthday. Oh. That is they're the scenes from the movie Interstellar painted oh. as lines, like with the colors that each scene, Whoa. like the, the color that represents like each right. scene. And it's one of my favorite movies ever. And right above it is Toy Story. Oh, you love that. Those are the yes. colors for Toy Story. Look, I'm even going to angle my camera. Yeah, let me see and it. the oh. cool thing is, is like, if you know Toy Story and you look at this piece of art, you're like, oh yeah, that's where he meets Buzz. That's where they go to Pizza Planet. That's where, just by seeing the colors, it's so cool. So, shout out to the Brain Candy Brainiacs who got me that. It's awesome. That's and, so yeah, sweet. That's the tour. There's a lot of brain, uh, of uh, uh, Toy Story merch behind yeah, me. Yeah, there is. Yes. Yeah, yes. you get it. You love Toy yeah. Story. Uh, did you have a good week? I did. I had um, uh, uh, a very relaxing week like i feel like i'm i'm at this phase of my life i was just talking to a friend about this i was at i'm at this phase of my life where i feel like my baseline for what i need to feel excited Mm -hmm. is nice and low and Mm. chill Mm -hmm. and you know i from coming from reality television and like growing up in a lot of chaos and a lot of trauma mm-hmm. i feel like that kind of ex- those experiences and that kind of upbringing and and it raises your baseline for what you need to feel like stimulated and like even like i don't know keeps you on this like what do they call mm-hmm. the hedonic treadmill way <laughs> like just mm-hmm. the same kind of feelings i would come back to of like this really unstable neutral and now i feel like that's changed 
or unstable baseline, I should say, now is more of a neutral. Like it feels mm-hmm. like I'm calm and peaceful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just did a reality television show event that made me think of all this because oh. everybody was like, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And I'm like, sure. never, ever. <laughs> Things are great. I want to stay here, host yeah. a podcast, talk to some people about their feelings. So my dream of being on a reality show with Sarah Rice is never going to come true. That's not that. that, Listen, (laughs) I could go still go on the amazing race and you and I on the amazing race would be so good. Well, I think for for you, yes, you would hate this, right? I'm not sure how much I would enjoy it, but I I would like, just love to spend time with you. So whatever oh, so environment, sweet. yeah, then I'm I'm going for it. Yeah, yeah. That I think we could that would be great in there. If we just keep this whole like I'm the camper, you're not the camper, sure. you know maybe we can your travel is different out. than my travel, like that whole mm-hmm. thing up, then maybe like the, the people from that show will be like, These guys would be great and let's yes. hear them really talk about their feelings. Exactly. <laughs> like, I feel like you are not listening to me right now. <laughs> Yeah, we'd be good role models for people that are getting through conflict resolution. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe yeah. we'd model a lot of that sibling behavior that we exactly. are talking about in this episode, and we talked a lot about last episode. Yeah, last episode we left off talking about like conflict resolution mm-hmm. and and how we kind of like take what we learned or didn't learn through conflict resolution with our siblings and how it sort of manifests in our romantic relationships, adult relationships. And that's sort of, yeah, that kind of like made you think at the end of like, Oh, how do you fight with your siblings and how How you fight fight with your your siblings siblings. is Mm -hmm. how you fight with your partners. Like that's just sort of like how it goes. You can change it obviously, but like the blueprint is set right there you know and so that really left me thinking too of like oh man (laughs) yeah what did you think about after the podcast it left me thinking too i was mad at my parents because the reason you have good conflict resolution is because your parents are supposed to be like this is how you do it kids like you innately do not know how to do that with your siblings and like we said in the last episode there's just sort of this ingrained competition trying to get attention or love or care or trying to be special in your own unique way and i think we i also talked a little bit about like how you're like as like babies, toddlers, kids, like you're really protective of your toys and you don't want to share because that's the only thing that you feel like you have power over. So of course you're going to have bad conflict resolution with your siblings. So you need caregivers, adults, parents to step in and be like, this is how you do it. And my parents did not do that. <laughs> like, And you think that maybe they would. My mom's a therapist. You think that she would sort of be a little more vigilant about that stuff, but she had so much stuff going on in her life that like, it just didn't really, it just didn't really happen. Yeah. We didn't, nobody taught us either. Nobody were, I was like, mm-hmm. you need to, there were just these blanket statements. I feel like this was either like what parents did to survive or what parents do. I don't know. I'm not a parent. So I, mm-hmm. I can't say for myself, but there were just these like rules of you're not allowed to say that word or you're not allowed to do that. But that was it. It was like we could say everything else, but we weren't allowed to tell our, our uh, uh, siblings to shut up or that they were stupid. <laughs> we could tell – we could be like, fuck off, you asshole, <laughs> aloud in my house. But if I said, 
shut up you're stupid oh mm-hmm. my god i'm in so much trouble because it was like don't silence somebody and don't tell them that they're they don't know what they know or something those were like the things that mattered in my house and so these like rules of, of you can't do this but that doesn't help at all with actual conflict resolution and like talking about no no my no, no and, my yeah. rules were like you can't like physically harm your siblings so i was like cool then we'll just like emotionally harm each other oh. i guess and but sometimes workarounds. yeah there's there's definitely some workarounds there but I got my sister in trouble. Did I say this last time? I got my sister in trouble by like biting my arm and then going to my parents and being like, look at these bite marks. Uh, She physically harmed me. (laughs) Did you, did your parents have a a go-to strategy for discipline? Um, It was go to your room and think about what you did and I'm going to, uh and then, and then my mom or something is going to come up there and talk to me about what happened, which is not the worst strategy, you know, like just like separating and then Mm -hmm. processing. But the problem was that she would like come up to my room and like shame me, like make me feel bad, sort of like make me feel worse. Like I developed this sort of like really negative critical self-talk or something. Um, Yeah. It would have been better if like she got me and my sister to talk about how we made each other feel, how to like take accountability, apologize. Hard to do that with kids, but definitely something you should try. It is so, it's hard to do that with adults. Well, yeah, exactly. That's like half of the work we do with couples (laughs) and stuff like that. And adults have a difficult time and adult siblings even. Oh God. Yeah. Cause they turn into children as soon as you put them together. Totally. Yeah. You regress immediately. I mean, I turn into a bossy big, it is it is amazing the amount of self-awareness and, mm, I don't know, like checking in on my own behaviors mm. that I have to do when I am with my brothers. And they're little subtle ways. Now, it's not like the big obvious stuff where I'm, you know, like being the big sister and like telling them you're not allowed to do that because mom mm-hmm. said so. Mm-hmm. Not that, but mm-hmm. it's subtle. It's more like we were playing... We were playing Rummy Cube, such a fun oh, I game. I love Rummy Cube. Isn't it great? Oh I'm my so god! Good at it. Yeah. I'm totally. I'm. I'm a big fan. Like yeah. Rummy Cube, love it. Sweeping the nation. Um, <laughs> if we hang out, we'll, we'll be like, we don't need to go on an amazing race. We just want to hang out in our hotel, <laughs> fancy hotel, and play Rummy Cube. Yes. Okay. So we're playing Rummy Cube, and and my brothers had never played the game before, and in my family, I'm like puzzle girl the one who wins like Mm. we would play games as a kid and i would just like dominate like Mm -hmm. just be cruel about it (laughs) and my brothers i can see how they naturally are like oh sarah's gonna win this it's like not fun anymore you know and like one brother was like tell me what should i do and it was all i had to stop myself from being like no you do this 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 done Uh uh-huh like a fucking bratty older sister. I, I was mean, like, you got it. You can look, just figure it out. And, you know, trying sure. to like. But, you know, like we've better. sort of talked about, and maybe we can like talk about this first question of like, how does birth order affect your personality? Mm. Those like firstborns, oldest kids, they are born leaders. Like they are like, you need to show up for your siblings. You need to have responsibility. You need to make sure that everything is okay and safe. And like, 
mostly presidents are firstborns. Yes. Like big CEOs are firstborns, right? Like it's just sort of like you are groomed to be a leader, whether you like it or not, you know? Yeah. Um, so that makes sense that that's how, uh, that that's how like the dynamic is. And it's hard to break that when like the people who like taught you how to like lead your brothers, uh, yeah. you're going to like fall into that really easily. Yeah. It, I have to be so conscious and aware of it. I think that's such like an important thing, you know, in a lot of these questions that, that we were asked mm-hmm. and how to relate with siblings, like so much of the process of, I don't know, like changing or, or maturing that relationship comes from the awareness of habits and Mm -hmm. behaviors that you are going to fall into. I mean, (laughs) anyone who has tried this is laughing along with me. If you have been in therapy, if you have tried this, if you have done the thing where like, okay, here we go. It's the holidays. And I know Mm. how I am when I'm around my siblings and I'm not going to be like that. And I'm not going to do that. And then you're there and you're like, fuck, the worst is when you see what you're doing. You're like, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say Mm -hmm. that. And then you still (laughs) say it. It's hard not to, because you're like neurologically programmed to say it. It's, it's, and there's so much like your brain is literally developing when you're a kid and it's changing all the time and it's molding into, if you're, you know, the oldest sibling into like being that leader, you're also like the oldest or firstborn, um, gets more resources. So like the parents typically are just like, we are here for this kid. Oh my God. We are taking you to the doctor. We are going to make sure you're healthy. And that continues. Firstborns usually go to the doctor more often for the rest of their life. And laterborns don't as much. Firstborns get so many more resources, typically. Yes. And because of that, their IQ is higher. Like, you're just sort of, like, nurtured into, like, a more better performing human being. Uh, And that's just, like, how it goes. So, but there's also, like, a lot of pressure on you. And, you know, you need to lead. Brother was, like, half raised by me and the dog. And it was, like, (laughs) whatever. I mean, like, as long as he gets to school and as long as he's good. Like, my Uh mom with me was, like... All right, we're going to only feed her liver for the first three months of her eating to like make sure her brain grows. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You know, my mom yeah. was like, here's a snack pack. You know? Right. Yeah. That's what like, happens when you're like. It's just what happens. You like happens. naturally don't give as much energy to the later borns. Like, but that comes with some benefits, though. Ooh, it later does. borns are going to be your creative uh think outside the box people most mm-hmm. people who are uh, uh like inventors like mm-hmm. steve jobs is the youngest child like if mm-hmm. you're looking for your think outside of the box like i'm gonna do it the, the against the grain like maybe first two kids or however many figured out how to do it this way and i'm i have to figure out how to do it my own way those are the real creative inventors whose minds just like see things that other yeah. people don't so is Bill Gates. Bill Gates was a middle middle oh, child really? too. They have to be like you have to like. All right, so I'm going to be dealing with this like big personality, older sis- sister, brother, okay. whatever. Like, how am I going to navigate this? Uh, for me, like I was like, yes. oh, my older sister is smarter, wiser, 
faster, craftier, emotionally more developed. So I was like, I'm going to lose every time. I have to like be very creative about how I'm going to get attention or how I'm going to compete with her or what I'm going to do to survive. Like, so you just have to kind of like, you're learning how to like manage all these different personalities. And yet my sister definitely has a higher IQ than me, but I have more intelligence in other more creative areas, you know, yeah. also the second borns or later borns, like we said last time, I think are like typically a little more funny just because there's like, okay, then I have to, yes. like, it's, I was it's saying hard. this when I was telling you that I stole my little brother's right. jokes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Terrible. Right. Yeah. They have to survive. And so it's, you don't want to like punch someone that's making you laugh. Right. So like, you got to like, okay. They're yeah. using like the humor as the survival strategy, as a defense which is mechanism. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mm -hmm. didn't think about it like that. That yeah. makes sense. He but totally was like, don't hit me. I, yeah. Look at how funny I am. I'm a clown. <laughs> Get yeah. the middle child. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. That's funny. And, and especially oh. if it's, if it's a, like a middle child between a younger and an older, they have to be like really crafty sometimes. Cause sometimes yeah. like the youngest is like the baby and gets some sort of like special baby attention. And the middle child are like these sort of flyover states, you know, they're just, and they, like the negative is that sometimes the middle or the later borns feel excluded and disconnected from their primary family, which actually makes it like they develop more skills to like have like chosen family to like be closer to friends and peers and yeah. coworkers and stuff like that. But they feel a little more disconnected from their biological family. Maybe I'm just thinking about this because I just watched that, the Duggar documentary, like shiny, happy people. Oh, like, I didn't see that. Oh my God. Watch it. It is bizarre. It is a lot of things, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you didn't grow up around like religion or with that kind of, mm -hmm. it, it feels so crazy and culty. Huh. Um, but I, how does that change when there are so many kids? Does that change? What do you think? I mean, or do you I think imagine... it breaks down into like little groups. I, it probably you have clicks and it's yeah. there's when there's like so many kids there are so many different relationships because each kid has a relationship with all the different kids and then all the different parents there's so much going on there like sometimes it can create a stephen colbert so he is like uh -huh. the ninth of 10 kids or something he's like <gasps> so he was just like what do i do in yeah. order to and he's like became this brilliant comedian you know political yeah. commentator whatever so you can thrive if you thrive but you yeah. can get lost in there and david sedaris he does that he uh, did yeah. that too uh -huh. he's great yeah. exactly his last name yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. he's so an there's... author. If you haven't read any of his books, you are missing out. They're so funny. We love him, and he has what I, who I think is sort of like an even funnier sister, Amy oh, Sedaris. She is yes. fucking wacky and she strange. is so great. Oh, oh my god, she was like a treasure. Her mm -hmm. craft. She made a book like this crafty book. It was like called Craft Crafts for Poor People or something like that. <laughs> that it was. It is so funny, and I had it on my coffee table for years. I was like, this woman. It's strangers with candy. Oh, yes. she was the best. Yes. That was like I feel like you'd be into that like era oh, of television. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. know what I that is. That yes. Oh yeah. I love Obsessed. it. Mm -hmm. the best. At that age is the, the best. But yes. then there's the fucking psychotic only children. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, they're not really I, psychotic, okay. but I know that this is that humans and animals are different. But let sure. me tell you a little story. 
Okay. So my ex-husband knew that I wanted a dog. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really sure about what kind of dog I wanted, clearly. Uh, and he really wanted a French bulldog. And I wanted like a dog that could like be my dog and a run dog around. Dog. I later yeah. got this dog. But it, uh, he surprised me with a French bulldog. And Ooh. he got this French bulldog from you know, Fancy Schmancy Breeder. Sure. And the breeder did not... I guess the breeder told him this, but nobody told me this. He was—he had never had a dog before. I have had dogs my whole life, know about dogs. This dog was what they call a singleton, where oh. it was the only dog in the litter. And not like there were other dogs that didn't make it or something like that. This was the only dog. Let me tell you, <laughs> do not ever get a dog that is a singleton. These dogs have... No uh, understanding of how to share. It's kind of like what we're talking about with siblings teach you how to right. share and how to fight. Yeah. The whole time I was like, well, this is why my dog sucked. This dog was a <laughs> terrorist. I did not name him that. Other people were like, your dog is a terrorist. He was so nasty and so mean wow. and so territorial. And everything was like his way or the highway. And it, I know. And when I looked up and did research on these dogs, it says – you have to work really hard to socialize them and because they're getting everything from the mom. They, they get all the messages that everything that they want is what they get. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this is what single only children are like. No, but that all. is what the research says. <laughs> but that's what the dog was like. And yeah. I was so excited when I got divorced and my ex was like, I'm keeping that dog. I was like, great. Bye. <laughs> have fun. The dog yeah. peed in my suitcase every time I took it out and went on a vacation. Ugh. God, yeah. Gosh. That's the thing is that, like, they, I mean, you know, obviously we're generalizing here. I'm sure there's, like, some fantastic only children out there. I have not met one, but I'm sure there are some. Um, I have a dog here, and he yeah. keeps on shaking his little head. He so is not a, a singleton. That is a good dog. That is a good dog, but he has something yeah. in his ear, so he keeps on oh. shaking. He'll be fine. Um, <laughs> it's just, like, little fur. Uh so those like those those only children. So uh, like, let's go ahead and name a positive because we shouldn't shit on them the whole yeah. time. But like, one of the amazing things about an only child is that they feel like they can change the world because oh, like yes. they've gotten all the attention. They've been told that they're the most amazing things ever. Like you said, they never had to like share anything. So they like can. They're just like they're dreamers. They think that they're right oh, all man. the time, and they're just like let's fucking do this they're yes. not great listeners um they don't sort of like naturally intuit how to do active listening so a lot of times if you're like dating somebody who's an only child like typically you don't feel like super heard or understood or seen because they never really had to do that so it's good if they like take like courses that show them how to do active listening um or watch videos or something because that's just sort of yeah. like not something they've ever I will to do. say I, my I have like one friend who's an only child and she is kind of put like I can see how is, she has learned to do those things she's one of the most motivational and supportive like she's mm-hmm. a nutrition coach and uh, like fitness coach and will like help anybody who has goals of what they want to do achieve them because she like mm-hmm. really believes like I can make a difference and, and she did it for me it was like amazing mm-hmm. and but I bet through being like a personal trainer and working like that you learn kind of a little more of the listening side of it and how to work with others and yeah exactly yeah, interesting 
Yeah. So, you know, they have like these huge, big visions of like, I'm going to be amazing. They've been told that they're amazing. So they're going to make a really big difference. Like, love that for you. But sometimes they just kind of like bulldoze or steamroll over everybody. Uh, So they have to try to really be more balanced. Have Um, you ever dated somebody who was an only child? I have not. No. Mm -mm. I have. This is interesting. We're going to see, I feel like there are more only children now, like people, we're going to see a different generation of only children who Mm -hmm. there are going to be way more of them because it feels like our age, like everybody had a sibling. Right. There's going to be more of them, but there's also like the younger, like the Gen Zers and the, what's the generation under the Gen Zers? Do we know? know. Generation Save Alpha, the world. Animals, generation save the world. It's funny because like they they it's their only child ness is not going to serve the world. They're gonna have to cooperate with everybody if this yeah. world is gonna be saved. So maybe they'll be like balanced out. Yeah, a bit. and they feel like more cooperative understanding they do. generation yeah. in general. Uh-huh. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe that will balance it out. Hopefully. Okay, so yeah. Okay. We talked about how does birth order affect personality. Yes. I feel like we could continue talking about that, but let's try to get through some of these questions that people. No, it would be like our last episode where I answered like three. We I know. Three. Yes. <laughs> uh, what? So the next question is: How can I have more peaceful interactions with my siblings at social gatherings when I am totally different from them? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Sarah? This is a hard one. You know. I feel like this this goes for siblings, and this is going to also extend to other family members that you may be around at social gatherings. I think it's so important to remember what is your intention. What are you hoping to get out of it? If the goal is I want to have a peaceful social gathering where I leave feeling, I don't know, not worse than I came in, not feeling like, I'm like all fired up and triggered and activated and reactive and all that. Coming in and setting that intention before the interaction can do wonders in helping with emotional regulation when there is a situation where, I don't know, those differences are are brought to light and... You want to get defensive. You could like take a deep breath and kind of do like the classic, like, would I like to be right or do, would I like to be happy? Thing. Mm-hmm. That is the classic. I mean, this is just good advice for like any situation too, yeah. of like, if you're going, if you're walking to an environment where you might be triggered, but like you were saying before, Sarah, like you're, it, it's, it's. It's a cliche and it's, it's what the monks tell their little monks to do. Like if you're, if you think you're enlightened, go spend some time with your family All right, and then come back and let us know if you're enlightened, uh, (laughs) because that is the ultimate test. Uh, but if you do create an intention and you ask yourself that very annoying question of, would you rather be right? Or would you rather be happy? Then that's a good, unfortunately, when I'm around my family, I always like say, I'd rather be right. I don't care. Like, Uh I'm just going to go for it. Um, that doesn't leave me feeling good though. Uh, like when I fly home and I'm on the airplane thinking about my interaction, I'm just like, why, why did I give into this shit? Right. Don't you feel like you took the low road there? Don't you feel like you kind of like met them where they are? Uh huh. Yeah. There is a little bit of, you know, and I, I feel like this is the part that can maybe be the motivation 
to be happy instead of right is that feeling, and I think I've talked about this in a previous episode, of that feeling of satisfaction, of like gratification that comes with knowing like, I don't want to say you're better than them, but being <laughs> able to have the awareness and control yourself and be non-reactive and taking the high road, you can kind of be like, I, I, I tell clients, I'm like, it, you're an emotional junior high and they're an emotional kindergarten. You wouldn't go mm-hmm. into a classroom full of kindergartners and be like, oh, you idiots, you don't know algebra, you're so dumb, mm-hmm. you know, or like you want to go home feeling like, oh, look at those, they're learning, those little kindergartners, maybe one day they'll be where we are or something like yeah, that. Exactly. You know? And it's sort of the question, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy also feels like sometimes the way I ask it is what's more alluring, harmony or chaos? Ooh, 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 <laughs> right? snaps. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, can, harmony, you can apply that. I'm like writing this down. So far in my notes, down. I have flannel. Don't know why I wrote that down. <laughs> and harmony and chaos. Harmony or chaos. You can also ask this question of yourself when you're like out there dating. Would you rather find a oh. partner that's more like <gasps> harmonious and relaxed and calm and connecting? Or would you rather go for chaos, which also feels exciting and thrilling and I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. And if you choose chaos and excitement or whatever, like I love that for you. Tell me all about it. I bet you have amazing stories. It's going to be fucking bonkers. But expect chaos. But expect chaos. And that's what we do when we're teenagers, in our 20s, maybe into our 30s, whatever. But like eventually you get to a place where you do want to choose harmony. And it's a question that you should ask yourself when you see your sibling and you hate them. You could go into that interaction seeking harmony or you could just be like, I'm going to fucking blow this shit up. And we respect you either way, but I want you to like, think about this afterwards. Yeah. And like, what do you want to get out of it? What do Mm -hmm. you want? I know this sounds silly, but I think about like, you know, even like the physical things that I want to do when I was younger, I'm like, yeah, I want to climb this mountain. I want to go real fast. I want to do this. And now I'm like, no, I want to be chill and -hmm. I want to be like calm and I want to be peaceful and have harmony. And there are times for... For, but there are still times where you're like, no, I need to, I need to mm-hmm. return to this craziness and this chaos mm-hmm. and I get it. go yeah. head to head and with yeah. sibling for whatever and, reason or and if that's what you need to do. Yeah. Then that's what you need to do. You put yeah. in the notes here also, Sarah, that like it? ask yourself if these problems are solvable or Ooh. unsolvable. Yes, yes. Look at me. Very good question. <laughs> if they're unsolvable, if you have some deep and or maybe like different yeah. values or political stra- right. spectrums or whatever, I don't know, different understandings of your past and you just can't solve it, then that means there needs to be some sort of acceptance. It yeah. doesn't mean that you accept them and love them. It just means that like we're not going to be able to solve this. We might as well not talk about it. Uh, or you can, if you want, you can try to accept it and understand their perspective. You can accept it and have compassion. You can accept it and have sympathy. Like go ahead and do those things too, but understand that you might not be able to solve these problems and you're just setting yourself up. If you try to solve an unsolvable problem, that is so helpful. And just being able to know that will Mm -hmm. give you permission to not keep putting energy into that. Mm -hmm. And just, Mm -hmm. I, I really need a visual in situations like I, I, maybe it's, I spend a lot of time in my head 
one therapist told me I think from the neck up and I need to think from the neck down and like feel my feelings. Mm -hmm. But like I need to imagine something in my mind. And so I really do picture myself on that metaphorical high road that, that I picture myself above the chaos. Mm -hmm. The air feels, I don't know, cleaner. Crisp, clean. It's like not like that. It's like the smog that kind of like sinks down. Mm -hmm. And I just picture myself like taking deep breaths of that nice clean, like above the smog air with no pollution and i kind of tell myself like okay if you want to go down and be part of that you gotta like you're gonna be breathing that nasty ass it's, air and you're gonna, gonna be like dirty yeah and you gotta like take a deep breath and Ugh, here we go and you mm -hmm. come up like coughing and uncomfortable and that makes me stay in that place where a i'm taking deep breaths and b staying above the bullshit mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah little exactly trick. Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. If you're really different than your sibling, then you can just be really interested in the differences, right? Isn't that interesting how it happens? Like, there are some situations where you see siblings and you're like, wow, these guys are so similar. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes siblings can be so different. I will say like my brothers and I are all so different, hmm. but we all have the thing that it connects us is our sense of humor. We mm -hmm. all think the same things are funny and go like make the same jokes and go to those same like mm -hmm. places. That, yeah. Would you say there's something that connects where you and your sister, what you guys have in common? Yeah, I think that... Well, it's tricky because I think that when we were closer and we spent more time together, we did have a similar sense of humor. We saw the same comedians and we laughed at the same jokes and, you know, sort of like poked fun at each other in the same way. Um, and then as we, when I moved to Portland uh, 18 years ago today, today is my 18 year today? anniversary. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I know. Uh, wow. So when I moved to Portland 18 years ago, that's when we started to go on separate paths and our sense of, of humor changed, our values started to change. And and it was because we just sort of, she was hurt that I laughed. I was mad that she wasn't supportive, yada, yada, yada. But we did. So like every now and then, if we do get together, there'll be these sort of glimpses of our mm -hmm. old senses of humor that can pull us together the way that we like see our parents is very similar oh, um, yeah. so if we talk about things that we can both agree on then that can feel really connecting yeah, yeah but it's very there's a lot of like little landmines that she and i can step on that can really cause a bunch of trouble yeah mm -hmm. maybe keeping it to those things that you guys connect on we can talk shit about our parents forever so yeah. that's just nothing like a do. triangulated relationship <laughs> to uh exactly. really Connect people. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. What do we have next on here? Mm, okay. Uh, this one says, "I'm a female and I have an older brother. We're not close. Why do I find close sibling relationships so weird? I've never had a naturally close bond with him." 
This is, I mean, yeah, you're kind of talking about that where like sometimes there's just a bunch of differences. Um, I feel like I've seen this in some of the uh, uh, friendships I've had or relationships I've had where there's been a, a like a heavy emphasis on gender differences yeah, gender in roles. the in the family mm-hmm. where it almost feels like you know even like if you think about i don't know it was like the before the 70s like 70s before where like men weren't even allowed in the room when their wives were having babies like it was like no that world is separate and like male like dads didn't know how to interact with daughters it was like nobody knows what to do when how to talk to a like 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 it's insane so i i feel like this may be a byproduct of a mm-hmm. family that put a lot of emphasis on gender differences. What yep. are your thoughts? I 100% agree. And there's also this interesting research about um, like favoritism. And oh. so parents have favorites. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I'm just, sure. they have favorites. They are magnetized Ugh, towards I'm not certain the favorite. I know. It. Yeah. I'm not the favorite either. It's the youngest Lucas. He yeah. Fuck it. Most. I'm going to wear it like a badge. <laughs> I don't care. Um, <laughs> so, but there's this, there's this interesting research out there that, um, typically this isn't always true, but typically the favorite is the opposite gendered kid. So the dad will typically oh, like the sense. youngest daughter and then the mom will typically like the older son. Um, and one of the reasons is that you're, it feels like biologically you're, that's the furthest apart you are from your kid. But oh. so you, so like the dad, let's say the dad, let's get really gendered here. Let's yeah. say the dad Super is gendered. like, yeah, the dad is some sort of, um, professorial, like smarty pants or something. If their youngest daughter becomes like, is a straight A student and gets like the best grades and goes on to be a teacher themselves, then that dad sees themselves in them. And that's sort of like, if you're a mom, you can see yourself in your daughter because you're just like, Uh oh, we're. Okay, I see. So if they take after them through hobbies or profession. Then that feels like, oh my God, I can I am making a difference. Okay. I can see it's myself. It's like almost in like them. their identity is reinforced through yes, this exactly. child that has so many biological differences from them. Mm-hmm. It re- yep, yep. Right. Interesting. Right. Uh, so sometimes that plays on like who's the favorite or who's getting more attention. And it goes into what you were saying, where there's like these weird gender roles sometimes where like the boy should be raised like this, the girl should be raised like that, and you are very different people because of it. Yeah. And it does make for a, a, I could see in in a family that did that that it would be hard for those siblings to mm-hmm. connect or to have a lot of shared things because their differences are are being reinforced. Mm-hmm. And so. the parents, a lot of times in those situations are not prioritizing a friendship between the siblings. There's uh-huh. like, well, you two are so different. They're sending these messages like you do this yeah. and you do the opposite. So you're sort of, and then the kid is like, I guess I should be the opposite so I can get attention from my parents. Then, you know, they're just going to oh, play out. Totally. Those yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. I, I think that I feel like that answers that question for that. Listener. <laughs> we have answered your question. Yeah. I want to know now I want, I would like, if, if you are listening person who wrote in, I would love to know, we would love to know a little bit about those family dynamics and yeah. gender roles in your family because 
Yeah. Doesn't it feel good when you say something and people are like, oh my God, are you psychic? I'm like, no, I'm just a therapist. Yeah. But oh, I love that feeling. Yeah. Like, that's good. Yeah. Classic. Um, um, okay. Next question. How can I forgive my siblings for a painful childhood? Oh. <laughs> no. Does well, that feel like... Yeah. Do you read this as a painful childhood between the siblings? Like one sibling was maybe bullying the other or was, or is this like a, a shared painful childhood? I, I'm, that's the question. I'm not yeah. sure. I think I first read it as how can I forgive my sibling for creating a painful childhood yeah. as if I was bullied or, you know, um, that's, that is one of the hardest things to do. So just yeah. straight up, like if you were bullied or if you were made to feel bad by your sibling for your whole childhood, to just like let that go right. is, it's, it's whatever, I'm going to keep on talking about myself, but it's an interesting, like my I felt bullied by my sister mm-hmm. and then we grew up uh, and uh, she has told me many times that she feels like I don't see. I'm not her, I'm like, I'm not her biggest cheerleader. She wants me to like support her in all the things that she's doing and hope for the best and yada, yada. And so I have like a complicated relationship with her because I felt like put down and bullied by her all the time. So there's a part of me that wants her to be the most successful thing ever and make all the money and be rich and famous and get all the stuff. And then there's another part of me that wants her to fall on her face and fail all the time. And that's like the little brother inside of me that was bullied and wanted her to feel pain because I felt pain. So I'm like trying to tell this to my sister of just like, oh, I'm all over the place here. I want you to succeed and I want you to fail. And and she was like, no, this isn't okay. Like, I don't want you to have this complicated relationship with me. And I'm like, I don't want to have this complicated relationship with you either. Yeah. But this is really normal to have very mixed feelings about your siblings. Maybe. What, like, do, do you see a benefit from... Being open and honest about the th- those kind of thoughts and feelings of like, sometimes I want you to fall on your face. Yes. So that's like typically the approach that I take with my clients and with myself where I'm just like, look, here's all my very complicated feelings. These, this is the emotional experience I had when I was a kid and when you were treating me in all these different ways. Can you understand where I'm coming from? Like, I'm not even asking you to, like, agree with it, but can you just validate my emotional experience? And if you can, like, understand why I am the way I am, then I'll be able to, like, feel even more supportive and understanding or forgiving you because you're just like, oh, my God, that was so hard for you. All the things that I did, you had no chance because I was older and smarter and more savvy. And and it would be hard to want bad things for somebody who's validating your experience. Yes, exactly. would stop those the kind of show mm-hmm. you that this is somebody who mm-hmm. is, is not like that anymore. Right. So the question of how can I forgive my sibling for a painful childhood? Mm. Uh, one way to do it, which might not be available, but one way to do it is to like tell your sibling about the pain that they inflicted on you and have them just do active listening and ask good questions and validate your feelings and maybe even take accountability. It's hard though, because my sister and all other siblings are just like, I was a kid. What do you expect? Right. And it's not even, it's typically 
it's not so much my sister's fault. It's my parents. Like, my parents should have stepped in and done something about it. But it's sort of easier sometimes to blame my sister because she was the one inflicting the pain, right? Or she was the one that was making me feel bad. So sometimes if you can shift, and this is, you know, what we were talking about a second ago, if me and my sister talk shit about our parents, we're like, oh, right. Uh That's where it stems from. And then we feel more connected. So it's another way to try to, how to forgive your uh, your sibling, it's not a hundred percent their fault. It's more your parents' fault. So how can we shift the blame to where it needs to be? Yeah. What was modeled? What did they see? What did you guys learn? Mm-hmm. And there was so, probably somebody making them feel like that or them witnessing right. that in the family. Yeah. So how can you feel empathy, which is hard to connect with, but how can you empathize with their experience? How can you empathize with each other's experience, basically? Yeah. You know, I was talking to a client once and and we kind of like came, stumbled upon the, the phrase like empathy is like the gateway to patience, like empathy gives way to patience. And like, that's what we all really want is like patience to be able to deal with our siblings, our family or whatever. Mm -hmm. So if what we really want is harmony and what do you need to have harmony? You need patience. What do you need to have patience? You need a little bit of empathy. So you gotta like do the, what could this be like for them thing, which is really hard when you're experiencing the shitty feelings. Oh my God. So hard. Oh, this is so easier said than done. Pretty much everything in therapy is easier said than done. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I know. But it's the same as physical health. It's the same as like, that's easier said than done. Oh, just run a mile. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just be nice to your siblings. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There There's you. so much. There's so many things that go into the relationship with your sibling. So to ju- this takes practice. This takes years and years of practice and therapy and understanding. This is not going to happen because you have a family reunion coming up next week. Like Totally. Right. You know, and I think giving it giving it time and revisiting things that maybe siblings or at certain ages you weren't able to talk about maybe together there there you guys both weren't at the the I don't know same maturity level to be able to have these conversations but sometimes we have this understanding of like oh this is just how my sibling is or this is how things are because they've they've been the um I don't know, like patterns that have been created in the family or patterns that were originally there. But sometimes you'll be surprised when, maybe often you'll be surprised when bringing some of these things up with siblings or revisiting things, they may say, I am so sorry. I didn't know that that was your experience or I would never want to do that. Or yeah, you're right. I was totally like, if my brother said we had a really difficult time because it always felt like you won everything and, and we couldn't compete with you. How do you compete with that? Like I would understand and be sympathetic and like, and, and care mm-hmm. and be like, I am so sorry. And I don't think I'm alone as a sibling who would feel this way. It's like, sometimes we just assume that the other person's maybe wanting to bury it or not talk about it, or they're going to still act like they did when they were 12 years old, when I said you were being a jerk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like that, that 
I always go to the four agreements where one of them is like, don't make assumptions, like give people the benefit of the doubt. Like Mm -hmm. don't assume what their answers are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. These are, this is all really good advice for, for siblings and family relationships or any relationships, I guess, but it can be really difficult. There's some very deeply ingrained stuff Mm -hmm. with your siblings. Let's also talk or Talk about like step siblings and half siblings and blended families because that shit, it gets even more complicated. Totally. uh, With that, there's one of the questions, one of these last questions says, How do you deal with a jealous step sibling? (laughs) Like, this is a big one. I, when I was married, my ex husband had a family where he had like a typical like do over dad thing mm -hmm. where his, his parents had when they were married, had him and his sister. And then years later, dad got remarried to somebody who was younger and he's got siblings that are like 20 years younger than him. And they're getting a totally different experience, like totally different parenting experience than he got. And, you know, in some ways like that, that's just one example that this, this happens where like people parent those children differently. They have different resources. Like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. And, and there could be a lot of feelings that become mm-hmm. very complicated when you see people getting treated differently right in front of you. Exactly. Yeah, it is bonkers. I have a a half brother, and so he got a different like we have this, we share the same dad, but he got a different dad. He got a dad that was like older and more tired and less patience and less money and less mm-hmm. like resources and married to somebody who was totally different. So my dad compared to like the dad that my little brother got are just like completely different dads. So how do you deal with these like half siblings, step siblings? How do you deal with jealousy and the fact that they have very different parents and it feels very unfair? Um, just who do you even get mad at? The parent, the sibling, that like where does the that sometimes feels like the most frustrating thing is when you have the feelings but you don't know who to be mad at for them. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. It's just it's just a very upsetting situation. You can't maybe really put the blame on on anybody specifically, or maybe everybody, I don't know. Um but acknowledging it is what needs to happen. And it, like, ideally the whole family acknowledges it. And they're just like, yes, I showed up differently as a parent to this child and you must've felt really slighted. Or my, like my time was literally divided in half. I had this family and then I had this family. So all of a sudden you got 50% of a parent that is very upsetting or very fucked yeah. up for you or not fair. You deserve better. Even though I couldn't do better, it wasn't possible, you know? So if you can all acknowledge this very difficult, weird system that you all grew up in and how upsetting or how it affected everybody, then that's like the place to start. But again, this is, that's some very tricky family therapy. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get all the family members on the same page. Where Man, is it hard to get all the family member just like yeah. to agree on therapy? Oh my God. Yeah. To go? Ugh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Some really great work can be done there. One of my favorite like therapy interventions for a family is called family sculpting where you Mm -hmm. have a whole family. I'm a big fan of Virginia Satir. That's like Mm -hmm. my model for therapy and what I use. If you're Mm -hmm. a therapist out there and know about this. Um, But yeah, I love the family system stuff. So 
there's a, a an intervention called family sculpting where you have all the family members and you just ask one person to mold the family or like position the family. Maybe you take an interaction or maybe you take um, uh, like a, just position the family how you see everyone and, mm-hmm. and what their roles are. And you can put people on chairs. You can make people sit down. You can have people like you change their their you know how they're pointing or how they're standing or their their posture and their position. And then especially when you let like the younger children do it, when you let little kids put and they'll be like, oh, you know, mom stands on a chair and Mm -hmm. she's pointing and you're like, okay, well, we know who mom is. She's the blamer. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, like somebody will be like, it's just very interesting to see how other members of the family see everybody else. And in letting those members of the family experience how they are experienced by everybody else mm-hmm. it increases the awareness and sometimes people want to do things to change that and like <laughs> they go what i didn't know i was the yeller oh yeah surprise uh, uh-huh. you know yeah exactly yeah. yeah i love that too and you're you're literally sculpting your family yes. into how you see them uh, you know just sort of energetically or in a certain yeah. situation or yeah in general it's it can be really powerful yeah mm-hmm. she has a book yeah. I think it's called like family systems or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's it's from a while ago, but it is so good. And yeah. if you are uh, uh, somebody who is interested in family dynamics or even like understanding your role in the family dynamic or how you can make change and then how those people would typically react to that change. Her books are so good. I mm-hmm. freaking love her. She's like my therapist mentor. Uh, should we answer one more before we before we yeah. wrap up? Sure. Let's do what one more. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's do. Oh, I like I like this one to even just. Oh, I mean, we could talk so much about this, but what do you do? When you know your brother's partner is not a good fit. <laughs> That's a 20-minute answer. I just yeah. asked a question that could we could go on forever for. But basically, this is like sibling does not like the person her brother is with. I just my, assume it's my, a she. I don't know why. <laughs> I hear that maybe because I'm the sister. I'm just like, mm-hmm. That's a sister. I think you... For a while, maybe shut up about it. Yes, you do. And you you don't say anything. You see where it goes. You try to be like, you know, supportive. And then if you start to get a little concerned and they become a whole thing and you're wanting to kind of reflect, you can... One of the things that I like to say in these sorts of situations is that, uh, you know, and if you're a sibling, you probably know your, your, your sibling pretty well. So you might say something like, I'm not exactly like, I'm not exactly sure if, if you're being your authentic self. That is what I, that's exactly is that what, what you were going to go to. Yep. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. the go that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not even so much that you're blaming their partner or something. It's like, I'm concerned because I don't see you're, you're not fully showing up to this relationship or I'm getting like kind of like be a yourself when, when they're hanging out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So there's there's that where you're like, I'm supportive. I love you. I'm challenging you a little bit because I'm I'm noticing that you're not your authentic self. You could also, if you want, you can be, you can ask for consent where you're saying like, mm. do you want, do you want me to give you some really challenging feedback right now? <laughs> like, do you want, do you want the hard yeah. shit right now? And then they get to say how much yeah. like challenging feedback they want, if they're open to it or not or whatever. Uh, so even if you do tell them that you're, that you're concerned, well, they gave the okay. So it's kind of like this little way in. It's like when in ever in history. Have, has anybody said like, uh, let me tell you what I think about your significant other and that like a sibling, mm. especially in the beginning of the relationship and you haven't like come to the defense of the person that you're dating. We do this with people we date anyways. Like we have that, like see them in that positive light. You taught me about this word a long time. What is it called? It's basically like therapist for you see them really like unconditional positive regard, but not that it's like hmm. where your perception know. of them is more positive than oh. it may actually be. It's like the therapist for honeymoon phase. You're you're, <laughs> I can't remember the phrase, <laughs> but you did tell, talk to me about this a long time ago. Okay. And uh, yeah, I feel like when we're doing that and we're only seeing the good that we're going to push back, and then you have to do that oh, stupid thing mutual where you're positive like, projection yes! Phase. yes, mutual yes. positive projection phase. Yes. You're projecting positive mm-hmm. feelings, uh, like you're mm-hmm. an image of this person, exactly. and you're sharing that with your relatives. So your relatives are like, "This yes. isn't perfect. Why are you projecting perfection? You're yeah. not gonna. You're not going to be able to see anything other than mm-hmm. that." Positive mm-hmm. projection. So right, exactly. Yeah, and so yeah. So also, you know, you might you're saying that their partner is a bad fit. You maybe aren't the authority on that, right? right? Like maybe maybe you're wrong that they're and actually like, a good fit. Yeah. What if that person is feels like they have to be a different version of themselves when they're with the family, mm-hmm. and they feel like they're the more authentic version yes. of themselves? Ooh, good one. Uh huh. Yeah, so you're saying, you're, you know, you don't seem like your authentic self. And they might be like, actually, I am my authentic self around them. Yeah. I'm not my authentic self around you. This you over turd. here is bullshit. I get yeah. to be me over there. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And you're just like pretending. Uh-huh. So be open to that. Also, I don't know, if if they're married, this is going to be a long-term relationship or something, try harder to yeah. get along with them. Then, yeah. You know? You're going to just have to. Mm-hmm. Try harder. And Find see something that you think. like about them. Right. And dig in. Yeah. 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 Episode okay. two of Siblings. Thanks so much for all of your wonderful questions. Keep them coming. You guys are always sending us to uh, sending questions to our DMs, and, and we are so grateful because it gives us all this wonderful material to share with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, anything else there, Jeff, before we wrap up? No, I think I'm definitely done talking about siblings yeah. now, so I'm excited. We'll go back to, to I don't know, something relationships. Easy. Sure, sure. You sure. know, yeah, yeah. Exactly. keep it. You, you know, something light, like relationships. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. we'll see you next time on This Changes Everything.